not manslight me or manslight me. Miss That's in the opening song. Oh, really? That's an Easter egg in the okay. opening song that our <laughs> viewers can listen for. Welcome back. It's a rainy Sunday afternoon in Brooklyn, New York. It's me, misandrist and militia leader, Marsha Belsky, with my co-host... Ray Sani, who has some position in this militia. I'm just too tired to remember now. You're the head general. Oh, I'm the head or general. Or the colonel. I forget what the actual Colonel. The colonel, like. yes. <laughs> I definitely had that moment as a kid where the first time I read Colonel out loud, I said it wrong. And I'd always prided myself on like being the smart kid. And then I was like, touche. Well, you know, one time when I was in the fourth grade, so I went to a Muslim school from first to third grade. And then um, when I got to fourth grade, I was in public school. So I was like advanced. Mm-hmm. So they put me in the advanced class. And I don't know why, but this they our teacher had us reading a story out loud. And one kid, James, was like something, something herbivores. And I just couldn't. It came out of my <laughs> mouth. Herbivores. <laughs> like to correct him. And my teacher yelled at me so hard. He was like, you can't make other people feel small or like they're not as smart as you. you it's my job. Him, right? Huh? You mansplained him. I did. I mansplained. <laughs> you actually, it's herbivore. It's, uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm very glad for the lesson because I try not to make people. I do it, but I try not to on purpose make people feel stupid Same. unless they unless are deserving. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And like we said, we'll protect the young boys to a certain extent. But once they become yeah. men, they're on their own. Um. It has been a really long week, and we have Ray back, which I'm so excited yeah, for. We had Ayana last episode. Yeah, I got really a lot fun. of feedback on her, and they said they loved her. So. Uh, I love Ayana so much. I do too. Um, and yeah, we're excited to be back. It's been a crazy week. There's Hurricane Harvey happening in Texas. I had a couple friends affected, and you know, um, I did want to say that. Um, I would give to other charities besides the Red Cross if you're giving for Harvey, just because the Red Cross doesn't actually provide good information as to how much of the money being donated to them is given specifically to disaster situations. So when they collect a bunch of money for Hurricane Harvey, they've been guilty in the past of keeping a lot of that money for themselves and their advertisement as opposed to immediate funds for the emergency relief that is needed. So there's a lot of other good things. There's the Harvey, um, there's like, you know, the Houston Food Center and Uh, there's hospitals. Food Bank. Right. Houston Food Bank. Um, there's a lot of donations out there for hospitals. We'll put a bunch of links in the um, description of this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, that shit's wild. I mean, um, it was insane because I don't know if you saw this, that uh, that CNN interview. Oh, with the woman who's like, please, I hate the tragedy porn. There's a CNN interview with the woman going through the worst moment of her life. She's with her kids and they're asking her and it does get to the point where the woman's prodding her. She goes, there have been a lot of stories of mothers nearly yeah, drowning with weird. their children. Yeah. So if you guys hadn't seen it, there was a woman, um, I think her name was Michelle, a black woman who had been displaced by the flood, like her home had been flooded, I think. And she'd finally made it to one of the shelters and CNN is at the shelter and there's a reporter who uh, asked her to speak. Now, on the one hand, 
reporters have to do their job. And two, the woman had agreed to the interview, but also this woman's in a state of trauma, like shock. And so I think halfway through the interview, it dawns on her mm-hmm. that she's being pimped or exploited mm-hmm. for tragedy. And, porn. and so she, you know, she, the question actually before, when I was watching the clip, the question the woman asked her right before she flipped is what hit me hard. So she goes, yeah, like you said, I heard all these stories about mothers losing their children in the water, mothers trying to rescue her children. And then this woman standing next to her kids and it just like something goes like something happens where something comes over her eyes. And she was like, you know, taking advantage of uh, people at the worst times in their lives is not very smart. And Mm -hmm. so the reporter tries to like, kind of weirdly comfort her while She's still like, getting sorry, in for Rhea. Right. And she just kept going. It would be so. the worst moment as a journalist because it's already, you already know the few times that I've had to do like man on the street things, even that as a joke, making people in public, like talking to them, making them uncomfortable is so like, uh, I don't know. Like you're disturbing their peace. Like it's like, and you know it feels invasive. Yeah. And so it's already as a reporter, you've gotten over that thing where everything inside of you is telling you just leave this person alone. Well, what I don't understand is, um, and maybe it's just because of her particular uh, duties, but I don't understand why you wouldn't interview someone off camera and then read on camera what they said. Like, right. oh, I talked to one survivor and she said da 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 Because they want the to- tragedy porn. They want that live reaction of the woman panicking or sobbing or holding her children. And it really is sick because... There's a line like with everything where it's like you need to cover the tragedy and it's important to put a human face to it. But it's like these are real people and you need to remember that when it's being covered become because there does become a certain point like the way that people glorify murders and like things like that where Americans love tragedy porn. Yeah, they do. I mean, like it was really crazy because um, so this was a black woman being interviewed by a Latina reporter who appears white and. I thought the racial optics of that were like really interesting too. And so yesterday Trump finally visited actual uh, hurricane victim or yeah, hurricane victims after already backing down. So he pledged a million dollars and then Sarah Huckabee Sanders, they were like, is it coming from his foundation or personally? She's like, Oh, I haven't cleared that up. So his foundation can't give the money because that money is tied up in an investigation Mm -hmm. for fraud and for them not actually giving their money where they said and making political donations and so, anyways, I hope he does give a million dollars, but I just highly doubt he will. No, I don't think so. And he offered five million for Barack Obama's birth certificate, so that's where his priorities. Are. Oh God! And um, and so there were all these photos of Trump with black people, mm. and it really upset me because I was just looking on like news on Twitter moments or something, and some white conservative was like, "Look at all the black people being angry that Trump is." taking pictures with black people and they're enjoying him and I was like see it always turns into something like that Mm -hmm. where it's just like Trump had to basically be forced to go back there because he oh said he witnessed firsthand when he was in Corpus Christi or you know just bungling the whole thing and the first thing he does is like try and kiss a black baby and it was just so bizarre to watch and it's frustrating because this is not the first time Trump and obviously 
they're Harvey victims of all races. I don't want it to seem like I'm uncaring about them. It's just very frustrating because Trump loves using black people as props. Of course, look at the Michael Cohen, his lawyer, who took the picture. How dare you accuse me of being racist? Here are all Although, of my black friends. And they were all people like makeup artists and shit. They yes. weren't even like people who are his peers socially or socioeconomically. But like, you know, when Trump had all of the uh, HBCU presidents come visit mm-hmm. and promise something he hasn't delivered. Yeah. It's just like. The blacks love me, and right. here's how, you know. Oh, I mean, it was the same. Like, he, when he first came to Harvey, he said, look at this turnout. What a great turnout. And then he said, he said, you know, I'd like to thank the Coast Guard for going into wins that the media are unwilling to go into. First of all, we all watched this whole hurricane take place on the news. So <laughs> we know that the media's been there. Second of all, this guy tweeted, we were on the plane with them. Like, it was like, as he's saying, the media won't go. The media is literally on the plane that he's like. But also, so what if the media wouldn't go? Exactly. Like, they're not like, the Coast Guard. It's, exactly. It's like, okay, um, person who isn't trained to provide medical assistance didn't go to provide medical assistance. I mean, like, that's such a bizarre thing. He's just, well, so I was listening to this really um, interesting uh, podcast and I don't remember what it was maybe it was one of the Trump casts but they were saying like um, Trump only Trump has a knack an innate ability to have a criticism stick to an opponent mm-hmm. and so and not to him not it to all him. bounces off of him right so uh, he can't discredit Bob Mueller because there's nothing to discredit mm-hmm. and he can't discredit um, you know uh the attorney general of uh schneiderman uh, no yes schneiderman Schneiderman. he can't discredit kelly he can't discredit any of the other people in his um cabinet besides just jeff sessions Mm -hmm. because there's nothing to make stick and i it made me think about how he willfully chooses the media because of all the things he's embattled by he can't make anything stick except for fake news. Well, right. I, I had a tweet the other day about it's like Trump hates the media the way my friend Jessica hates her ex-boyfriend that she's dated nine times. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like that girlfriend that you have that's always like, I actually hate him so fucking much. Yeah. And then two days later. Yeah, but it's like the media is for some reason it works as a catch all. Right. Like you. It does. Well, apparently there's anti-Semitic rhetoric underneath that. Right. When you talk about the media, but also just that doesn't it doesn't require your followers to know and research Bob Mueller. They can you can just say the media is blowing the Russia investigation out of proportion. Yeah. Then we don't have to talk about how Bob Mueller is has brought the IRS on to to join him for financial crimes. And it's scary. It's classic fascist stuff. And you know, even Trump saying that he announced the Joe Arpaio pardon because for he ratings. thought yeah, that he thought it would be better ratings and things like that. I mean, the good news is, is that, yeah, Mueller is pairing with Schneiderman, who's the attorney general in New York, where most of these crimes probably took place if they took place. And so Trump's whole thing has been waving the pardon as a don't turn on me and I'll protect you. I'll abuse my power because I don't care what people think of me and I'll set you free. But he can't do that if he's prosecuted by the states. Sure. He has no power to pardon something prosecuted at a state level. So that's good because that was a direct threat to the people that he's basically trying to like make promises to. Oh my God. Also the worst part, people trying to say, don't politicize the hurricanes and natural disasters. Okay. 
they're inherently political because Trump has pulled FEMA funding. So all the FEMA funding being used was passed by Obama, and that's going to run up in the next year. And these cities are still hugely susceptible to these natural disasters. Well, also, um, it's a lie to say that stuff is without politics. It's a lie. There's no such thing as not being political. Even the way the flood worked out, I have a friend from Houston, and they have everything set up so that certain neighborhoods get flooded. They're drained to certain areas, and obviously those neighborhoods are not going to be the super affluent. Like Everything's political, and literally, go to Twitter and search Obama Katrina. Go I'm to wondering Twitter. if that's just trolling us. I don't know if they really believe no, that stuff. No, they. Some of them absolutely, absolutely are like, "Well, where was Obama during Katrina?" Because I saw it before. It was during Sandy. Even people were trying to say, "Well, where was he during Katrina?" I, I mean, I'm hoping it's a hoax because <laughs> people are that dumb. Um, yeah, I would really hope that people aren't that dumb. But also, <laughs> even during Katrina, Obama was a senator and he was making visits down there. Exactly. So, so it doesn't I mean, even it hold doesn't up. even hold. No. I know. And during Sandy, he was, I don't know, being president of the United States. I know. And then there was Melania wearing heels to the first time they visited. And it's like, okay, people were like, is this really what we need to be focusing on? It's like we have multi, we're capable of doing a lot of things. I had a viral Taylor Swift tweet and I can care about politics, you know, (laughs) but it's insane because like the first lady's wardrobe has always meant to show something. There's whole areas of the newspaper dedicated to Jackie Kennedy's wardrobe and what the first lady wears. Michelle Obama's wardrobe was highly scrutinized, you know? And so it's like, yeah, when you wear heels to a natural disaster zone, what does that show? That shows elitism. That Mm -hmm. shows that you're not stepping into the muddy waters, so to speak. And you know that you won't have to until the time comes, you know? Um, you know, what's so interesting is, uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's a legitimate argument to be made that the focus on the fashions of the first lady is really sexist. And then at the same time, um, it's, 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 I think it's important or at least what, uh, what the second outfit. So the first outfit Melania was wearing was a pair of aviator lenses, (laughs) a bomber jacket, um, a really nice. I mean, she looked great. Mm-hmm. She looked like she was gonna do a J Lo video. Is what right, I thought. She did. Um, and and her hair looked great and all of that. Um, and then the second outfit was the one that struck me the most, where she was in a button down long sleeve shirt, uh, jeans and sneakers. So I imagine while she was on the plane, they were told like handlers were like, "Hey, you got to change." Everyone's yeah. talking about you. <laughs> But what, they even tweeted out, yes, Melania has a change of shoes or something yeah. like that. And so then, but what was shocking to me was that she had a Flotus hat on <laughs> and it like identified exactly the lack of agency a woman like her has uh-huh. because she literally was an ornament and they stuck a label on her so you can know what she's there for. Yeah. And it was astonishing because, you know, she's been pretty inactive in terms of, you know, and visibility. Right, Ivanka's more of the yeah. flotus than like... And so, like, to have this pretty model that never talks policy or engages um, enthusiastically with... Never even takes off her sunglasses. Sure. And then for them to just label flotus on her, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That position is ornamental. Yeah. Uh, except for women who make a point of, like, fighting, breaking through that. Right. Like, like the last 
four first ladies have. They've and they're been resented for it. I mean, depending on what it. they do, unless right. it's, you know, like it's, you know, people resented that Hillary Clinton went after health care and things sure. like that. And uh, and so it was just really fascinating to watch, um, you know, the, the the White House literally label this model. Um and it, just a stamp, just a stamp of what Notice. she is. In case you forgot, this pretty lady bangs the president. You yeah, know? it was like a very bizarre thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the one hand, like I do feel bad, like criticizing the clothing choices of a right. woman who isn't where she. I mean, she is where she is because she's beautiful, but her role isn't to be beautiful. Right. But like, on the other hand, it seems like the role is to be beautiful. Right. I mean, absolutely. The way that Trump talks about women and talks about her. I mean, it's all ornamental. And it's like also her and Ivanka are used as like these soft white lady shields to this evil fascist administration. It's like they want to do the right things. But then it's like, well, Ivanka okayed on him dropping the women's equal wage measure like or the the committee or whatever. Well, what she okayed was um, the there was a regulation that required companies to um, break down their uh, salaries by demographics. So you would see how racially the, the the salaries varied between employees and then you would see how it would vary between gender um, and the point was to, I guess, when Obama did it, not first of all, America just has this weird thing where we don't disclose payment. Like, mm-hmm. I, and that's like a tool of the people in charge, Absolutely. because if you are too embarrassed to ask or you think it's impolite to ask what other people are making, then you then you don't find out that you are being discriminated against. Right. And then you don't bring suit. That's what happened with Lee Ledbetter. Uh, it's a law that allows um I don't remember, but I do. I don't want to misinform, but that was the the foundation of her case. She, someone told her finally. One of her coworkers was like, "Yo, all the dudes are making way more money than you," mm-hmm. and that's when she started to pursue the case. So, um, what they were supposed, what the Obama administration was trying to do was basically, if a, if an employer has to publish the wage um, discrepancies, then they would either be shamed into. Um, paying their women or their people of color better Mm -hmm. or they would be celebrated for being more egalitarian in that regard and she sends out this press release and she doesn't even have anything substantive to offer she merely just says um it was a well-intentioned excuse me is a well-intentioned law but it won't work and it's like well, you're okay, not Vonks. offering evidence evidence of why it won't work. And there's It does work. They just don't want it to work. Right. That's the thing. These shame campaigns, they always say like, "Oh, it's a witch hunt. You're coming after me." And it's like, "But if you had nothing to be ashamed of, if you knew it's not wrong, then why do you care?" My grandmother was in a huge suit with the New York Times for that same thing. She was working for them for years. She was their top economy reporter in DC, one of their top And she found out that she was making in the bottom fourth in the whole company, that she was making less than her underlings, less than some of the like the same as the secretaries, basically. And on this idea that, oh, well, your husband takes home a wage, you know, you don't need it. And her and a huge group of women sued The New York Times. There was both a suit for women and then there was a suit for the people of color that worked there because there was discrimination on both ends with, of course, the women of color making the very least in the whole office. And they settled the suit, but it was like, you know, a huge settlement. Right. And it's under the same idea that 
if companies are found out, all they want to do is keep it behind closed doors. Sure. And there's campaigns in all areas. They were doing campaigns with black models because they were saying publishing every single fashion line and saying how many black models they use because year after year after year for huge lines in Paris, it was zero. Yeah, sure. And then it was one, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, of course, these companies have insanely defensive reactions mm-hmm. just like, oh, well, we're going to get to the L'Oreal right. campaign. Well, so what always is like interesting to me and I don't know okay so uh, I just want to clarify that I'm not an Amy Schumer stan (laughs) but I was really upset with the way the conversation around her negotiating more money was happening because um, so Amy Schumer had gotten a Netflix hour long special and she was offered 11 million dollars and then Later in the news, it came out that Dave Chappelle and um, and Chris Rock pulled down twenty million for their specials, and so Amy went back and he negotiated a better price. Mm-hmm. And yes, I understand why it might look bad that a black a white woman hurt two black dudes were getting more money and she chased it. And I think that in another situation that might be true. But I, I genuinely think that it's just like, I know that my potential employer has mm-hmm. more money to give because they gave other people more money. and But people were trying to compare it to, the, well, Amy, your comedy's not as good as Chappelle's. They want to go to, she thinks that she's so, such yeah. as, she thinks that she's a legend and these, yeah. she thinks that she's earned it as much as these guys and she never said that. That was all put right. on her. That was put all on her. All she did was ask for more money right? and people were like, she heard they made more money and, and went. Yeah. And she's like, exactly like you said, she heard they had more money available so she said, you know what? I had, she probably had offers from numerous people. Well, also, this is, you have to consider the time. I don't know why this, why this information leaked recently. But this was three years ago. We talk in. She just came off train wreck. She's the biggest star in comedy. Yeah. You can ask for $15 million if you're the biggest star in comedy. And I just think it's it was just fascinating to watch. And these things are always fascinating to watch as a black woman because it's 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 fun to see how black male misogyny manifests and how, like, you know, white female um, racism might manifest. But in mm-hmm. this case, I was just watching all these black men be like, oh, she thought she could get better than the brothers. And it's like, no, they were the people at the top of the market at the time. They were revealed to have... She's the woman at the top of the mm-hmm. market. She asked for a little bit more. And I just hate the notion that women shouldn't ask for more things. It's not that she should... It's not that she's not as good as Dave Chappelle. It's that Netflix decided that they could afford this but couldn't afford this. Right. And if she is a good agent, she should negotiate And more. she's allowed to negotiate. I mean, what the fuck? It's like, what is, was that $3 million going to go to you if she didn't get it? You know, why are you mad? Like, it's like... She didn't. If she had come out and said, oh, "I'm just as good as Chris Rock and Chappelle," then freak out. Yeah, it, but she didn't say that. It's so bizarre that um, I guess you know it was interesting to watch that conversation happen because I always wonder what it is inside an employer that de- decides he's going to offer or um, that they're going to offer a woman or a person of color less money. It's I just because they but, can get away with but it. But the thing is, like, it's just. Yeah, but I just under I don't understand the impulse, but maybe that's because I've it's never so been born systemic. privileged. Yeah. I mean, that's why that's why it's scary because it happens so just like 
low key and behind closed doors. And it's like, I don't, the re- and they'll make so many excuses for themselves to go to bed at night. Yeah. Like, I don't think these guys are looking in the mirror and going, I'm going to pay the woman of color less. It's just so inherent that they're like, well, he's stronger. Yeah, exactly. It's it, they, you know, that's he's a real go getter. And also we went to the same school. I really relate yes. to him. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, that's it. Because the quality of work is considered different coming from a different person. And so they'll, they'll, their inherent biases will make it feel like, make it seem like somebody's worth less. Exactly. So they won't think that they're offering a woman of color, color less money. They're going to think that this guy who makes more money deserves it. And then they can call you arrogant and ungrateful when mm-hmm. you ask for what you deserve yeah. because they're just like, for who you are, I gave you a really good deal. What I was really lucky my first job out of college, my first full-time job out of college, there was a uh, uh, a former investment banker, um, and uh, he was young and went to Georgetown or whatever, and he was, like, I guess fascinated by me or something because he just wanted to understand why I was, like, a Princeton non-graduate mm-hmm. working a receptionist job. So we're negotiating um, where he's like, what's your salary request? And I was like, I don't know. This is me at, like, 20 very dumb it's like i don't know like 33k he goes no the rate on the market is 35k so i'm gonna pretend you ask me for 35k yeah and then you'll figure out in the future how to negotiate a better salary well and that's the thing is we need those guys to give us those lessons and what's unfortunate is that we're still excluded from their social networks like i think that a lot of those guys who really do see us as equal that's where it manifests is they give us that advice the same that they would give a dude. Mm-hmm. And that's really where their action shows above them just saying, oh, I'm not racist or I'm not yeah. sexist, is when you give me the same help that you're giving the men around yeah. you. But it's so subconscious that that is the exception to the norm. Sure. Is that guy saying, absolutely not. Yeah. You handled that wrong and let me show you how. Yeah. As opposed to but like, But I oh, also, you know, had the luxury of getting to be like a Princeton. Right. Per, like I'm sure he might not have done that for yeah. someone who was like just and a he regular knew I, college grad. And he knew I really liked comedy, and he like went to school with Mike Birbiglia or whatever. Right. So he was like very interested in it. Um, or I think maybe Nick Kroll. But anyway, he went to school with those guys. And so he was like, oh, a comedian, Ivy League educated. He was interested in helping me. Right. And I don't know necessarily, this isn't to d- indict him anyway, but I don't know necessarily that someone not me but still a woman of color would have gotten right. that lesson you know exactly it's like that's the thing too you're rewarded if you learn how to like navigate these like network like if you get your foot in the door oftentimes then it's not like they're gonna always be shoving you out even though you still have to deal with so much microaggressions once you're in yeah but i still notice like that's where i say i don't give a shit what you tell me i don't give a shit every feminist thought that you message me in my inbox what I care about is Action. when there are girls hanging out at the club, do you ask them, are you a comedian? Because I rarely get asked that when mm. I'm just sitting around. Like, you know, do you try and help the women around you out in the same way without being a creep? Yeah. With the without being a with creep. With an asterisk. Yeah. I mean, seriously, because this is why the militia was formed, you yeah. know, because it's like you have to it got to the point where you're like, okay. Even the good guys, unfortunately, like if you think of the Joss Whedon thing, they use their friendships with women as a shield for me going, oh, why is he liking every hot girl comedian's photos? You know, like, oh, how come he's on Insta with all these different girls? And then he's like, oh, well, I just have a lot of friends who are girls. It's like, no, you're using women as a shield to benefit from patriarchy in the same way these other men are. Yes. Excuse me. I wanted that Joss Whedon 
excuse me. I wanted, I keep burping. I'm sorry, guys. I wanted the Josh Whedon thing to manifest in some kind of really harsh um, backlash. Mm -hmm. And I know it won't, but it really bothers me because there's this thing that happens where, like, men are horrible in their personal lives and the assumption is that they can compartmentalize well enough to be decent in other places so i remember um i have a guy friend and all of his friends all of his guy friends Mm -hmm. cheat on their partners Mm -hmm. and i said to him i was like don't doesn't that make you not trust your friend like he is betraying the person who loves him the most Mm -hmm. wouldn't you wouldn't you say that that's an indication of his character yeah and the thing is he had never thought about it that way but but also i think yeah exactly we are so not human enough to them that they think that the treatment of women is not the same as the treatment of the men their male friends that's what drives me crazy how it's just getting to the point where the treatment of women is starting to become a character flaw that should be seen by all and i was impressed because there was guys in my office who were like talking shit they didn't even know i could hear them just two men talking to each other about how they don't hang out with this guy because he left his wife and turned into like a freak and i was like that's kind of cool to hear a man actually say we don't like this guy anymore because he treated his women and kids badly right but for example there's this guy in the comedy community i won't say who it is but they hide under these shields where i said how come none of his friends care that he's a shitty dude they all admit that he's a shitty dude but they don't care and one of his friends was like well i don't know he's kind of the hero of that group and i said but this is exactly what bothers me how come he still gets to be the hero when he does something bad to a woman that everybody knows about like how come he still gets to be the hero of your group when you admit that he does not treat women well? Shouldn't yeah, because that be enough they to debunk his hero status? Well, the thing is that's the problem. They aren't worried that because women and men have been so separated in their minds in terms mm-hmm. of value. They don't think that the kind of badness that can happen to a woman on the part of a man is the kind of badness that can happen to them because Mm -hmm. they think that they exist in a different plane because they bond differently, you know? And they kind of do. Like, that's the thing. They live in this other world. That's why, especially in comedy, if a woman is constantly just bringing up oh, my world actually looks differently than yours. She's seen as a troublemaker, you know? And it's like, all I'm trying to do is just get you to recognize that you walk around in a certain bubble with a certain lens and I walk around in this lens and privilege is a layered thing, you know? But, because, you know, I was like, if he stole, you wouldn't hang out with him. Absolutely, absolutely. So why is constantly betraying the person who loves them the most justifiable or like acceptable behavior Mm -hmm. it's a you can always make excuses you can always find excuses and i think it would be hard or different as a guy because you know if my boyfriend asked me to stop being friends with a girlfriend of mine just because she was kind of an asshole i'd be like fuck you but it's like when your friends are the ones who still hold the real power in terms of how if they're dating people professionally in our career and that woman is directly affected once he's either done with her or whatever, like they act like they basically miss the consequences is what bothers yeah. me. If a man mistreats a woman, the community is going to go, well, you know, I'm sorry that you were hurt, but that's just kind of what happens. And if a woman mistreats a popular man, God forbid, they're like that winch deserves everything that's coming yeah, that's to her. True. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it sucks. I think that, um, there's this belief that you can be an asshole and still be a successful male. And it fucks things up in several ways. It's like, one, 
it it excuses bad behavior, poor behavior, like Joss mm-hmm. Whedon, for example. Like he's just an eccentric artist. Yeah, and then helpless. Two, and two, it reinforces that the characteristics that are um, quote unquote male are the ones that are successful. Yes. And so what happens is femininity doesn't work and doesn't end up in the same successful places and then women who perform maleness are resented for trying to be like dudes. right and there's it's true there's a tone of admiration to he doesn't care about anybody he yeah. never sticks with somebody oh, long he's so you, focused on his comedy work. exactly it's like but i don't have the luxury of getting good at my job and also treating everyone in my personal life poorly and and still being praise for it mm-hmm. that's why it like really frustrates me all the time i always say this that like they celebrate how terrible a person kobe bryant was to his teammates and stuff because he had a killer instinct and it's right. like well akim olajuwon was just as successful and really really good to people around him exactly. by most accounts so or, and as well as kareem abdul jabbar so you don't have to be terrible to people to it's be successful choice. it's a choice exactly yeah. and that really it bothers me because it's true like there's such a double standard there too where it's like you know these men think they deserve both and it's really greedy like because you can either do whatever you want whenever you want to whoever you want or you can have people like you and think you're a good guy sure to demand both and honestly be given both most of the time and play victim when it's fitting and things like that only happens because you're a man yeah you know like joss whedon is like oh, well, it's like all these women were so desperate for me and I just don't know. And it's like, okay, so then leave your wife. So then leave your wife and be every shitty 30-year-old director. But he's greedy. He wants the shield of being the good guy while literally endangering the health of the woman that he's with. That's the thing that bugs me out. Don't, I, oh my god! I like know. don't don't bring diseases to my household. Seriously, if you're fucking a woman without a condom and you cheat on her, you are immoral. Yes, you are amoral at best. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's seriously insane. It yeah. drives me crazy. It's hard. I get so frustrated in comedy too because I was saying this with Ayana on the last show. Social media is a bummer because I wish I could know people for longer than five minutes before realizing they're a piece of shit. <laughs> like I want it used to be that way where you could know somebody for wow, a full year before they say something shitty in front of you and you're like, Oh, he's <laughs> a piece of shit. Right. But now I just we I meet you at a show and then we become friends and the first thing I see I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are you doing? You know? I kind of like that people are making themselves plain. Yeah. Um and also, I have a guy friend who says dumb shit all the time on Facebook and Twitter, and I just challenge him. I do like to do that, too, because I am letting go of, like, being caring if I'm seen as confrontational. Like, when a dude says something bad and I know exactly what I don't like about it, I just tell him and he can deal with it however he wants right. to. Because that's their responsibility. That's what I try and say. Like, with my boyfriend, too, like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to constantly be coming at you, but, like, you know, I'm thankful that you listen to me when I talk to you about ways in which your friends behave like you know because it's frustrating that you still get to benefit from the areas of patriarchy and from these men that would never give me a spot while I'm also allowing you into my spaces you know that's true um I don't have a boyfriend but if I did he would say he would say that yeah (laughs) or something you like Tommy my boyfriend I do like Tommy I think he's funny he's a nice boy um so do we want to do reverse racism? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, Antifa. <laughs> so, ugh, this is a very complicated reverse racism. It's layered. It's layered. Um. So on Friday, Thursday, 
night, but I saw it on Friday. Um, Trevor Noah did a bit on Antifa um, where he basically criticized them for, you know, being unorganized and violent. Mm. And um, actually the, the, sh- the punch, the biggest punch of the bit was that um, that, you know, that they're just video gamers and vegan you, ISIS. And, and, yeah, he said, well, he didn't say that they were vegan ISIS. He said that their opponents were vegan, see them as vegan ISIS, mm. and that every time they punch somebody, they punch their cause. And I just want to say that is fucking bullshit. That is complete bullshit. It's, it's offensive to me because one, white supremacists are white supremacists, right? And yeah, maybe they deserve to get punched sometimes. Mm-hmm. He actually said in that bit that he did that there was a peaceful protest at Berkeley. Do you know what the peace, peaceful protesters at Berkeley were? Pro- they were talking about alt-right ideals. Mm-hmm. That's not peaceful. It might no, have people been, get murdered by yeah, those ideas. It's like, it's like the demeanor at that specific um, rally might have been calm, but their language is not peaceful. Their ideology is not peaceful. And the idea that... Um, that, you know, Antifa are really bad because they punch white supremacists is a bullshit notion because what it does is place white supremacists, frames them in a way that allows them or entitles them to respect that they don't deserve according to their ideology. Mm -hmm. And it frames people who recognize the danger of certain ideals as bad as the other group. Mm-hmm. And that's bizarre. It's 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 an it's a roundabout way of many sides. He basically trumped Absolutely. it. And then everybody two weeks ago was going off about Trump about how many sides was crazy. And then a week later liberals are going, Well, we must condemn Antifa as if the right wing is gonna look and be like, Well, good for them. No. It just allows them to sleep better at night with Antifa as the enemy right. instead of white supremacy. But also, you know, like when you first of all, it's okay. So I'm so frustrated over and over um, with the way that protest is defined or useful protest is defined. Obviously, if you have a a movement, uh, you have an organization and you have um, specific goals. And peaceful protest was a specific tactic used by Gandhi and MLK being with the end goal being that shame is supposed to um, make America change its laws or make the British not want to be colonial anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's how it worked when um, the U.S., when footage of people being sprayed with hoses or bitten by dogs when they're walking down the street, that imagery shamed um, other countries into right. into or had other countries shaming the U.S. And it also brought attention from the North where they wouldn't have uh, expected or wouldn't have been paying attention anyway. That's not to say Northern people don't have racism. It just manifested differently at the time. And so that's not a tactic that's going to work the same because there isn't the same kind of shame happening on the other side. This is a movement of people who are feel like they're taking back the their country. Right. And they're proudly doing so. They're demonstrating with torches. They have a president who basically co-signs them. The shame aspect is not going to work because they think they're underdogs. They think they're the victims So, now. So now you have to have a different tactic. I don't know if punching them 
one by one is the right tactic, but I know it's it is a tactic. And showing up because, you know, all these rallies got canceled after right. the Boston one was so outnumbered. Exactly. So um so it's very frustrating to watch liberals, um, or, you know, people like Trevor, I don't even know what he is, insist that there's only one way to protest and that it's the only successful way when actually what you're doing is limiting the resources and outreach that like uh, people fighting the good fight have and you're dismissing their version of protest and that reinforces the white supremacist alt-right or whatever ideals if you can dismiss a whole movement because somebody got punched right well then you're shaping the you're shaping the terms of debate and you are limiting the resistance to you. And for us on our side to be playing into that is really, really frustrating. And, you know, with Trevor in particular, he's South African and he, you know, he talked to Tommy Lauren and thinks that conversation is going to work yeah. or whatever. And like it might. I don't know. He came up in a country that had commissions and made apologies and paid out money to people. Anti-blackness has not gotten that same treatment here. And there's still problems all over the place in South Africa. But there isn't a concerted effort on the part of governmental bodies to apologize for and compensate for all the racism that has happened in the past institutionally and still goes on now in America. That has never happened. They've never had to apologize for being racist. No, right? the veil has never been lifted. Yes. And so the idea that we have to be generous and thoughtful and sweet to people right. who, who haven't made the concessions... Trevor Noah might have seen talks work because there were people who, who wanted to talk. White supremacists don't want to talk to us. They just want to keep us from talking at them. Mm -hmm. So when they when you dismiss protest because it's not peaceful or when you demand that everybody gets the right to talk and then they never come meet us to have a conversation. They only demand the kindness one way. Right. Then you're reinforcing the white supremacy that you think you're battling. Absolutely. At. And it's it's this weird like centrist pull where they're like. The responsible thing to do is condemn Antifa and white supremacy so that we show we're the noble ones and we're the good ones and taking the high road. And it's so fucking crazy because it does just allow the many sides argument. You were universally condemning Trump for saying there were many sides because of Antifa and white supremacists mm -hmm. because a woman died by white supremacy. You're equivalent. Like, you're making equivalent Richard Spencer getting punched in the face when he goes in public, which he should every single time. With a woman being calculatedly murdered by a car. But also, too, it's like, um, you don't even have to go that far. Like, uh, there's this thing that happens in our country. I don't, I don't know who it's for, but everybody's really performative about, you know, representing both people yes, equally yes. and all this. Some things are more right than others. Right. And not everything deserves equal treatment, equal time, equal validity. The very, we don't even have to get to the part where you're comparing a murder on the part of a Nazi, um, of a, of a protester to violence of Richard Spencer. We don't even have to get that far. Mm -hmm being a Nazi is wrong objectively so yeah so we don't have to get to the part whether it's okay to punch them there are some punchable ideologies that's one of them yes and so like it's just very to say we're not being hateful we're being peaceful about the fact that other races should go home this is white America yeah I mean that's, that's not a peaceful ideology. language and you know the Daily Stormer website has been responsible for hundreds of murders but like you said like you don't even have to go that far because 
because the body count of white supremacy is in the hundreds of thousands, millions, millions, you know, billions. And that's where you're making it like it's not equal. And that will honestly eventually lead me into my when I want to talk about crush L'Oreal boycott. The militia is boycotting L'Oreal products forever. But let's finish with this, too. Yeah. So I just get really frustrated because um, I just. I think that that was a useless use of daily show time. Mm-hmm. Like imagine being the most revered political satire on American television and deciding that the worst of the worst today is the people who are unorganizedly. So I wouldn't uh, disagree with that, who are fighting fascists. Mm-hmm. It's literally in the name anti-fascist. That's insane to me and a waste of everybody's time. And it's very dumb. And I said that one of the most disappointing things about Trump's election is the complacency and of white liberals and oh so many people are like Trevor Noah South African the Daily Show is a white institution mm-hmm. staffed by predominantly white act um, writers and if you are propping up white supremacy on a, pro- a white institution then you are doing white liberal shit like yes. it is well and like you are directly helping Trump's rhetoric. He's been pushing Antifa, Antifa, Antifa. And so for liberals to keep focusing on it is mind-boggling and so dangerous and harmful because it's like, okay, you are now giving into as many sides argument and condemning these people who are putting their bodies out there. And imagine wasting your useful time uh, condemning people and not focusing on white supremacists. Like exactly. I, when I said that, oh my God, I got attacked by this one guy on, on, um, he was like, I'm a white liberal and you are alienating us. Um, we probably agree on 95% of things. That's what they always say. Yeah. We agree on so much. It's like, so why can't I tell you what I disagree with yeah. you on just because we agree? But also, um, white people like to think, white liberals like to think that it's 95%. It's actually right. 50%. Yeah, because, that's so true. Because what you think is like, a, a disagree a disagreeing is with tactics what i identify as someone who doesn't care about my safety enough to understand why desperate net measures yes. are needed and then also just i don't give a fuck about alienating you i was born alienated i'm a black woman from the hood but then like more importantly imagine there being white supremacists on the rise and you're nitpicking the black woman mm-hmm. who complains about white complacency right you're you're doing everything stupid and everything wrong. It's just just I mean, I know you don't want violence in the streets, but quit condescending to people and demanding peaceful protests. First of all, peaceful protests worked in a particular fashion during the civil rights movement. Correct. But also riots worked. They called attention to things. Um, we've we've won wars. You know, it's not like we out here never we're not a pacifist country. It's them not it's them not acknowledging that white supremacy started the violence. Yeah. This is a reaction. Yeah. You know, they always want to say they always want to ask black movements, are you violent or anti violent? You have to make it clear what's like, why aren't you saying why aren't you acknowledging the fact that this is a reaction to violence, yes, not exactly. violence because itself? Because we're not allowed to be human enough to have feelings right. and rage. You know, we always have to be the ones who are calmly explaining to gentle white folk why what they say, you know, about my inherent le- lesser value mm-hmm. is not nice. Right. As opposed to being like, fuck you, I'm demanding my respect. It's just so frustrating because you're respectability politicking a radical movement. That mm-hmm. is insane on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're validating the people who try to control how strongly a movement moves against them. Right. And it's like there are, 
there are many sides like you can't win everybody with love that's an ignorant idea like and that's not to say you shouldn't push love and you shouldn't try and help people when you can but you know to condemn if you get all the way to the part where you're a white supremacist then that's not where we can meet halfway exactly you've already gone too far and also um just there's this thing that happens where people are like peaceful protest martin luther king da 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 you people have bastardized Martin mm-hmm. Luther King in a way that is insane. First of all, they always forget the part where he got assassinated, so violence still happened, mm-hmm. right? I've seen police officers quote MLK against Black Lives Matter yeah, as if he wasn't arrested as a part of his, yeah. like... And then, um, and two, um, I think it's letters from a Birmingham, Birmingham jail. Mm-hmm. He talks about that the most dangerous... Um, the most dangerous, um, you know, factor out there is not, you know, the open KKK clan member. It's the white moderate, mm-hmm. the one who thinks that you can, um, you can get, you deserve equal rights, but maybe not now, maybe not, um, that way, da, da, da. Because anybody who's not actively working against anti-blackness or, um, working against white supremacist forces is, is, is furthering it. Right. So like, the idea that you're in there being like, oh, you know, calm down. Don't punch them. That's right. my white moderate complacency. And the guy that y'all love to quote and toss in our face, you know, Sarah Palin one time quoted Martin Luther King. It was mind blowing. And then you, but he said this part and you never talk about it. Right. It's all pick and choose. Yep. My mom always said, I don't know where the original quote comes from, but I always think my mom told me growing up, uh, you know, history and society values its dead radicals and its living conformists. Yes, there was um a Jim Brown co- uh, co- comment because Malcolm. No, sorry, what is wrong with me? Um, Muhammad Ali was despised by anybody mm-hmm. not white, and then you know he became an, a lovable old guy. Once Will Smith played him. Uh, no, before then, <laughs> no, before yeah, then. Kidding. But um, Jim Brown said. Uh, America started to love Muhammad Ali when he couldn't speak anymore. Right, exactly. And I was like, damn, that's well, all right. So then I want to go into, so I wanted to go into um, Monroe Bergdorf being fired from as L'Oreal's um, campaign. L'Oreal Makeup did a diversity campaign, which you're doing a diversity campaign because you're acknowledging there's a lack of diversity in the industry. Mm-hmm. So they do a diversity campaign and they hire their first ever trans model, Monroe Bergdorf, and she's a black woman from England. And um, she then... Basically, the Daily Mail picked up this article this week where after Charlottesville, she gave a very long, uh, nuanced sort of thing talking about exactly what we were saying. White complacency is the bread and butter of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And she basically says all white people need to take responsibility for the ways that they benefit from white supremacy. If you're not actively fighting white supremacy, you are complacent in it because Mm -hmm. people of color don't have a choice. The war was brought against them, Mm -hmm. you know? And so she says all this stuff and I don't even think she directly says all white people are racist, but she's saying all white people live within systemic racism and are guilty of perpetuating it even when they fight against it, mm-hmm. because you live in your privilege, you know, you benefit from your privilege and all these people, like not even all these people, but the right wing came after L'Oreal and they said, 
you have, you know, this woman is racist against white people. She said all white people are racist. And of course, the comments were thinly veiled transphobia. So mm-hmm. it's like this one comment that um, I saw featured in the Daily Mail article was a tweet that said, what is it even talking about? It shouldn't be allowed to work yeah. for your campaign. Calling a transgender woman an it. And so it was so then L'Oreal Paris tweeted out that they were severing ties with Monroe Bergdorf because they champion diversity and they don't like stand by her racist comments. Basically I'll read the exact quote because it's really insane. It was like, we're severing ties with her. Um, hold on. Let me find stand by dear reader. But basically she responded yesterday on her Facebook and she was on the news too. Here's the thing. L'Oreal champions diversity, period. Comments by Monroe Bergdorf are at odds with our values, and so we have decided to end our partnership with her. So you hired a black woman, a black trans woman, to be the face of your diversity campaign, and when she speaks up after a white supremacist attack, no less, about her actual opinions on oppression and how she sees supremacy play out in her world and the world around her, you fire her. Well, also, what are their values? Exactly. Because her her perspective isn't in line with their values so their values are racism is fine like what's the value that she violated they're doing all the people tweeting back at them that were like thank you for doing this are saying racism is wrong is in all forms you know it's this all lives matter shit but what she said was not i hate white people blah 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 it was all white people are responsible and complicit in a system of white supremacy that has built and existed for hundreds of years, you know, and her comments were so nuanced and thoughtful. And then I want to read her statement back after she was let go. Um, And I really do believe that it will end up being a huge mistake for Mm L'Oreal. And they listen to this right wing pressure. And of course, these people are saying awful racist things all Mm -hmm. over her Instagram and Facebook calling her the n-word saying that she is like a she-male and these awful transphobic things so it's like these are the people that you gave into yeah these are the people l'oreal you decided your values are in line with over a woman articulating exactly what makes her the face of a diversity campaign and what we all need to do in order to make it so we don't have to have these barely like you know things that don't even make up for the white standard of the beauty industry particularly well also like there's this bizarre thing um that you know people who well white people um do where they equate what's a comment to them to the history of like they assume that things are so fixed that it's equally bad now right for everybody and that's such a non-truth well it's seen not only as equal but worse it's worse to be called a racist than actual racism itself and racism has become this personal label as opposed to no this is a system that you play both an individual and a bigger part in but also you know like being called racist doesn't hurt anybody. I mean, it might hurt their feelings for a little bit, but think of all the celebrities. I mean, Mel Gibson. Exactly. Just he was got at the nominated Oscars. for an Oscar. You know what I mean? Like that's the same with the sexual assault stuff where they're like accusing a man of rape can ruin his life. And it's like, I actually think most of them are doing pretty it can fine. Make things a little uncomfortable for a little bit, but then they right. end up just fine anyway. So it's astonishing to me that, you know, people, 
take being called racist so seriously. And if someone called me racist, I'd be, well, I'd say LOL because I'm me. But, um, but I would literally be like, what makes you think that? If exactly. I, if, I, if I lived in this white country with this white history where my parents were old enough to have been segregated, they weren't here, but they were old enough to have been segregated. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine saying, fuck you, you're more racist by saying it. I'd be like, what makes you think that? Right. It's possible. I don't know what I did. What makes you think but that? But that's what's happened is that just to have the conversation is seen as so wrong. Like, how dare you even bring race as a factor into this mostly white space? Yeah. You know, how dare you? We did a diversity campaign. Be grateful. How dare yeah, you? There's always somebody at telling so us that we have her enough. response was pretty perfect. She was also on Channel 4, but her written response on her Facebook, she said, first up, let's put my words in context as the Daily Mail failed to do so. First of all. You're firing someone based on a Daily Mail article, which is such a right wing. Like, they're such... They're basically the New York Post of London. Mm -hmm. This rant was a direct response to the violence of white supremacists in Charlottesville. It was not written this week. Secondly, identifying that the success of the British Empire has been at the expense of the people of color is not something that should offend anyone. It's a fact. It happened. Slavery and colonialism at the hands of white supremacy played a huge part in shaping the United Kingdom and much of the West into the superpower that it is today. This is exactly what America refuses to acknowledge. Slavery is our ultimate stain. We have still never had that moment of acknowledging that our entire history is corrupt because our country was built on slaves. Mm -hmm. That was my words, what I just said. That's Mm -hmm. not her statement. Mm -hmm. Um, So back to her statement, whether aware of it or not, in today's society, the lighter your skin tone, people of color included, the more social privileges you will be afforded, Mm -hmm. whether that's access to housing, health care, employment or credit. A person's race and skin tone has a huge part to play in how they are treated by society as a Mm -hmm. whole based on their proximity to whiteness. When I stated that, quote, all white people are racist, I was addressing that fact that Western society as a whole is a system rooted in white supremacy designed to benefit, prioritize and protect Mm -hmm. white people before anyone of any other race. Mm -hmm. Unknowingly, white people are socialized to be racist from birth onwards. It is not something genetic. No one is born racist. We also live in a society where men are socialized to be sexist. Women are socialized to be submissive. Gay people are socialized to be ashamed of their sexuality due to heterosexual people's homophobia. Mm -hmm. Cisgender people are socialized to be transphobic. We do not need to be this way. Mm. We are not born this way and we can learn to reject it. We are just socially conditioned to think this way from an early age with the right education, empathy and open mindedness. We can unlearn these socializations and live Mm -hmm. a life where we don't oppress others and see things from other people's point of view. And I'll just insert here that the militia, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to have intensive (laughs) reprogramming back to her statement. So when a transgender woman of color who has been selected to front a big brand campaign to combat discrimination and lack of diversity in the beauty industry speaks on her actual lived experience of being discriminated against because of her race and identifies the root of where that discrimination lies, white supremacy and systemic racism, that big brand cannot simply state that her thoughts are not, quote, in line with the ethics of the brand, end quote. If you truly want equality and diversity, you need to actively work to dismantle the source of what created this discrimination and division in the first place. 
You cannot just simply cash in because you realize there's a hole in the market and that there is money to be made from people of color who have darker skin tones. I mean, that's the thing, too. L'Oreal has like four shades for Mm -hmm. women of color and like 30 for white women. Mm -hmm. The irony of all of this is that L'Oreal Paris invited me to be part of a beauty campaign that, quote, stands for diversity. The fact that up until very recently, there has been next to no mainstream brands offering makeup for black women and ethnic minorities is in itself due to racism within the industry. Most big brands did not want to sell to black women. Most big brands did not want to acknowledge that there was a huge demographic that was being ignored because they did not believe that there was money to be made in selling beauty products to ethnic minorities. If L'Oreal wants to truly empower up underrepresented women, they need to acknowledge the reason why these women are underrepresented within the industry in the first place. This reason is discrimination, an action which punches down from a place of social privilege. We need to talk about why women of color were and still are discriminated against within the industry, not just see them as a source of revenue. Racism may be a jagged pill to swallow, but I suggest you force it down quickly if you want to be part of the solution. Doing nothing does nothing and solves nothing. Empowerment and inclusivity are not trends. These are people's lives and experiences. If brands are going to use empowerment as a tool to push product to people of color, then the least they can do is actually work with us to dismantle the source, not throw us under the bus when it comes to the crunch. At times like this, it becomes blindly obvious what is genuine allyship and what is performative. I stand for tolerance and acceptance, but neither can be achieved if we are unwilling to discuss why intolerance and hate exists in the first place. First comment, shut up, you racist black bitch. Literally. Like, that whole comment says so much of what is going on, and it's so well articulated and her first comment was equally as articulate and Mm. well-rounded and she got fired almost immediately and so the militia is currently using l'oreal products at the shooting range (laughs) um we are definitely going to boycott um but i mean it's not even like it's like not even that hard for women of color to boycott l'oreal because they don't even make products for them hardly like but i just thought her words were really great and i think it's sad but i think that um also there was another model i forget her name but she quit the campaign in solidarity and things like that but um so my crush men monday is l'oreal um i'll never buy another fucking product from you again um unless you're like very on sale no just kidding i won't (laughs) um but yeah i think that's really disgusting i think most of the people that i saw coming back at them were saying you know She's, she was speaking out against systemic racism. That's what your campaign was supposed to stand for. Your ethics are garbage, basically. So mm-hmm. we'll hope for the best. Um, the best being. The best being nothing. Not exactly. Um, the best being, well, you know, the coup of the Buffalo Wild Wings was successful. So right. we're making small. Small incremental progress. Yeah, We're not doing it peacefully. Exactly. And we're not doing it peacefully. Seriously, yeah. If you don't like Antifa, what are you going to think of my militia of women in the fucking woods? Mm. You know? But should we end on a rallying cry? Yeah, let's end on a rallying cry. Listen, like we said, if you see a woman, handcuff yourself to her and walk down the streets proudly and take her to the militia. Uh, If you see a man, gouge his eyes out. (laughs) If you see a book written by a man, burn it, like I said. You know, if you see a man on the TV, break the TV. (laughs) If you're at a Best Buy, we'll reimburse you. I can't promise that. 
if there's a man in your family, just squeeze his balls until he quits being in your family. Yes. And also, um, I'd like to say that if Trump donates a million dollars to Hurricane Harvey, which I genuinely hope he does, I will donate a million dollars to Spike TV. Um, I think <laughs> that's pretty equally likely. Um <laughs> And also, the militia is going to start offering matchmaking services. So that's really exciting, too, because it's hard to find a good partner in this, patriot- in this patriotic world. Patriarchical world. Um, so this has been Misandry with Marsha and Ray. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Do not manslate me or manslate me.